everybody, I'm Kay Marie. I'm Mary. And we are Murked in the Midwest. Y'all, what did y'all think about last week's episode? Mm. Ooh, Orville not Redenbacher. I don't know. I don't know. I still. It's all of the audacities. Because people had, died? What? There were casualties that were. No. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. When I was there? People died. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No. He, he was awful. Awful, awful, awful. <laughs> to be in that position and. Where people are coming because obviously something's going on, they feel sick, mm -hmm. and you to take advantage of that to try and meet whatever your little sick, sick agenda is, it's just insane. There's it was the talk shows for me that just threw me, I'm like, really? <laughs> it was just, uh, he gave me sociopath vibes for that, because he was just like, okay, I killed all these people, I'm going on these talk shows, and everybody that has sympathy right. for me. Right, ain't nobody got any sympathy for you, we don't or believe you. Right. We don't believe so, you at all. You just <sighs> lie to lie to lie. God dang win. But we're going to go ahead and jump into this week's episode. And we are going to be focused on Valparaiso, Indiana. Where actual Orville Redenbacher is from. Mm. Hey, Orville, the right Orville this time. <laughs> um... And Lou, can you explain to them where Valparaiso is? Sure. Okay. So we are talking about Northwest Indiana. Um, Valparaiso is one of our most easterly towns or cities, if you call it as a city. Um, you will be able to access um, and get to Valpo if you are on Route 30 or Indiana 49, mm -hmm. um, both of which will take you and intersect right into Valpo. Valparaiso is known for lots of things besides Orville Redenbacher. We have a very wonderful university that is there, Valparaiso University, which has um, amazing programs um, in engineering, um, construction, agriculture, um, and they have a very good nursing program, so lots of things. Shout out to VU. Um, and the town is really cute. I think we've talked about it before in yeah. previous episodes. Mm -hmm. So, a couple you, episodes. Yeah, a couple episodes. If you're wondering about it, it was, just reverse. We talked to about those. it when we talked about Crystal Helmkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, white pan, white hand pantry. Yep. So you can refer back to that. But as far as um, it's like location and what you would be around, it's about an hour and fifteen minutes from Chicago. Um, to get to the Michigan border, you're talking about maybe 45 minutes. So it's a very centrally located kind of city and, um, you know, pretty decent sized population. It's small, but not too small. And that was Lou, you all, that she's our map. Yeah. Because <laughs> I am geographically I'm the retarded. Map. I'm the map. She's the map. <laughs> I'm the map. I'm the motherfucking map. Gotcha. <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about Melinda, Kirby Lindsay, and Stephen Lindsay. And this case was actually sent to one of us, sent to us by one of our followers. Shout out to you. Shout out. Hey. Thank, Thank you. you. And we, like we say every episode, we love for you guys to send us cases. 
um, because we, of course, we don't know everything. Um, we know that some cases get looked over, which is our whole point of doing this podcast, focusing specifically in the Midwest mm-hmm. to cover the victims that, you know, don't get the attention as much as like the murderer or the serial killer. So. Mm-hmm. Or the big cases that happen in big cities. Yes, uh, exactly. That are more prominent. Yes. So we have Melinda Kirby Lindsay. Uh, she was 23. Um, she lived in Valparaiso, Indiana. She formerly um, was from Rossville. She actually um, did die. She died Friday, January 16th, 2015 in Gary, Indiana. Um, She was born on May 31st, 1991 in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she was the daughter of Robert and Julie Kirby. So a little background on... There was not much background on Stephen. But I'll go ahead and give you their background as a couple. So, in early 2012, Stephen Lindsay met his future wife, Melinda. Um, and within a couple of months, she became unexpectedly pregnant. Okay, so they was getting it in. They was doing mm-hmm. it, doing it, and doing it well. <laughs> and so, at the time they met Melinda, she was actually an exotic dancer. Um, but after becoming pregnant, she quit her job, and then she didn't return to work again. She became a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Sign me up. Um, and part of that was Stephen didn't like her associating with her friends or former customers from her time as a dancer. Understandably um, so, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Like, you're a mom now. He doesn't want you doing that. Like, but he met you, you there. You, but I was going to say, but you met her there. He met her there, but he was like, girl, we ain't going to stay there. I'm in love with a stripper. And she running, she running, she running. Yes. Um, but as their time together, um, you know, so he didn't want her talking to her former friends or customers from her time as a dancer. But and also with the new marriage and everything, she had less and less contact with her um, family as well. You know, after her relationship with him began. Sometimes that's concerning. It is sometimes. Yeah. Um, because that can be signs of control um, or isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen was working as an electrical lineman oh so he, he was making money yes so so lineman let me just tell you what talk about yeah, electricians yes. like oh <laughs> <laughs> honey okay so most electricians i'm sorry to my friends that are electricians i'm gonna do it a lot of times they be nerdy but the linemen Lime would be mm. they be rough tumble and like oh <laughs> 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 Hello. Hello. <laughs> they do crazy stuff like they fly out of helicopters to get to like the high voltage wires. They like a whole different breed. They literally are up in those baskets that you see on the side of the road mm-hmm. and they have the big huge gloves and they have the clip that goes because mm-hmm. it grounds them. Um, yeah, linemen are different. Shout so out to the linemen. So yes, that's what he was doing when they met. Uh-huh. But he was fired from his job in early 2014 for drinking on the job of all the things. Well, you know, that's a that's a common trade issue. Yeah. Yeah. Having substance abuse problems because they make a lot of money and they want to fuck it off. Yeah. So from that point, he kind of like jumped around for um, through jobs until November of 2014. Of course, he was earning way less than he did in the prior years. Ouch. As Lou said, mm-hmm. the money that he was making as an electrical lineman, the jobs that he found after that definitely weren't up to that standard. Mm-hmm. Um, in October of 2014, his behavior became very like impulsive. Um, he opened a new credit card and purchased a cruise, but never made a payment on the credit card. 
Okay. He said, we, we going, but I ain't paying. Yeah. Um, he also cashed out over $16,000 from his retirement account and spent all of that within weeks. Okay, was he having some form of psychological problem? This is giving like a little bipolar or... Do not know. It's giving psychosis. It's giving something. It's giving like there was... That seems like a break. Because um, it seems very different from his previous behavior. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in November of 2014, he was ordered to pay $6,200 in child support from pre- kids from previous relationships. Uh-huh. Um, and during this time, he had stopped paying his rent and a bunch of other bills. Oh, he said fuck the bills. Yeah. And so from May of 2014 to January 2015, the bank accounts that were um, belonging to Stephen and Melinda, more often than not, they were overdrawn. Um, or payments were returned for insufficient funds. Mm-hmm. And of course, as we said at this time, she's a stay-at-home mom. He actually didn't want her to go back to work. He wanted her to be a stay-at-home mom. Because he was still living in that mentality of, I'm the breadwinner, but mm-hmm. really he wasn't running the bread exactly. at this point. Exactly. And so, so he was struggling with that. They had been married for two and a half years. Um, and her father actually had something to say about it. He said that he tried. He felt that Stephen tried to mind control Melinda. Ooh. Um, saying that she would want to come visit her family if, and when she would want to come visit her family he would take their daughter and leave for a couple of days oh so he really was controlling her yes mm-hmm. um, and so now where would he lead to with her baby he, wait a minute I don't know he would just leave with their kid to make her not go visit her parents uh uh-uh. you need to run my kid back now I don't play. But I don't. I'm my child back now. I don't give a shit what you do. You don't want me to go see my family. Bring my kid. Yeah, no. So as I said, Melinda Lindsay, she was um, a stay-at-home mom. She did. Um, her dad did say like a week before she actually died, she had got a job as a waitress. Okay. Um, but he wasn't exactly sure where, because like you know, she really didn't have a lot of conversation with them. She didn't tell them a lot about her relationship with her husband. Like she didn't say whether it was in trouble or anything like that. Um, she didn't mention that to either one of them. Um, she, he says that she didn't want to fail, and so that included her marriage. Okay. Um, and so, at one point, Stephen moved in with his brother, and this was about five or six weeks before Melinda actually died. Um, she had threatened to leave him because he wasn't working. Well, hello. Like when we met, you was making you told money. you was making money, and you told me to stop working. Right. You wouldn't let me work. Now you're not bringing no money in. All this stuff we getting with the rent ain't paid. We getting return checks. All this stuff. They're probably about to get dang on kicked right on out the uh, place. Exactly. So she threatened him with divorce. Um, Stephen told police that they had actually talked about divorce when he left to go stay with his brother. Um, and he told them that they also used to fight a lot about money. Yeah. So. Don't they say that that's one of like the highest reasons for people, or most common reasons for people to get divorced is mm-hmm. money? Money, mm-hmm. the, the financial stress. Um, so, on the just a brief summary of what happened, and I'll go into the details of what actually happened with the murder. But on the day that Melinda Lindsay died, um, Porter County Sheriff's deputies got a call at about 6.19 a.m. about shots fired inside the residence she shared with Stephen Lindsay. Um, she was transported to Methodist Hospital's North Lake campus, so here in Maryville, 
really not or no south in gary gary south north this is south lake because north lake is over there on grant yeah north lake is considered the trauma center they um Even deal with awful. no they're not they're so this this is a lot of times people believe because it is scary that it is bad. Now there are things that they that's, don't do well there. That's not why I believe it's But bad. when it comes to the hospital and dealing with gunshot wounds, they are one of the best in the area. Like it literally is comparable to taking them to Chicago when it comes to gunshot wounds. Now I'm not saying everything at the hospital runs well, but what I can tell you they can do well is they can handle some gunshot wounds. I wonder if it's from experience. Hmm. It is. Hmm. It is. <laughs> so, she um, was transported there where she did die, um, and they ruled her death a homicide. Um, and, and so, that's a far way to travel for getting care. Yeah, that is. So, Valpo to Gary, you're talking at least, and this is in good condition. So, what time? What year? What time of year was this? This was January. Oh, so she had horrible conditions for travel: ice on the road, snow. Um, on a regular good condition day, if you're moving pretty quick and traffic isn't bothering you, you can get from Valpo to Gary in a matter of 35, 40 minutes. But you put ice, snow, poor conditions, people ain't moving, that could be an hour drive. So, um, so in the days before the shooting, they, uh, Melinda and Stephen had actually contacted the Sheriff's Department because they thought someone was stalking their home. Um, and so just to let you guys know, people describe Melinda, they say she came across as happy, lighthearted, in love. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, but she also was on several pain medications for postpartum health issues. But um, she also was very happy being a stay-at-home mom. Like know, she, she enjoyed her yeah, life. Exactly. So. More details in the murder. On the day of the shooting, police found Melinda Lindsay in bed with a gunshot wound to her head. Stephen Lindsay was in their young daughter's bedroom, kneeling on the floor with his hands secured behind his back with a zip tie. Ella May, who was two at the time, she was in her crib unharmed. Police also found zip ties in the bedroom by Melinda. Stephen told police he fell asleep on the couch about 2 a.m and woke up to a like a strange hold or a rear choke and that someone was behind and lifted him off the couch before everything went black he told police that two fingers on his right hand were numb but that he didn't have any neck pain he told um that he he told them that he remembered was a gunshot and that he woke up in his daughter's room with his hands tied behind his back he said that even though his hands were tied, he was able to get them to his side and call 911 on the cell phone. So he was the one that called 911. He told dispatchers that someone was in his house and he heard a gunshot and that someone had his wife, Melinda. He also called his brother right after that phone call and then called 911 again. So there was a gun found in the master bedroom on the floor. It was like partially under the bed and it actually was registered to Melinda. Okay. Um the so they did like some preliminary tests and so they did actually find gunshot residue on him even though he told them he hadn't shot any weapons recently mm -hmm. and so as mentioned they did constantly fight about financial problems um melinda wanted him to return to work 
she also return discussed like returning to work as a dancer so she could earn some extra money but of course he was like nah nah you ain't doing that mm -hmm. um melinda asked her parents if she could move back in with them to and what they oh, were this is before the divorce was final she was asking to move back home no just her and her kid oh okay it, her and her daughter okay. to move back in with them in illinois um, on january 1st they had a big fight and melinda told him that she was leaving him she went to a friend's house um and stated that Stephen had taken their daughter to his brother's house and would not let melinda have their daughter i'm about tired of him taking her baby like that you, play, you can play with a lot of things don't play with that don't play with me that's like that's enough that's enough so january 8th 2015 lindsay called the police to report that he and melinda had returned home and discovered that the screen to their bedroom door had been cut and the window was open no one had actually gained entry to the house and that they they did have three dogs um they had a large malamute they um that belonged to Stephen before marriage and an um, aggressive and protective pit bull mix and a small chihuahua that had both belonged to Melinda before the marriage. Um, all of the dogs were inside the house. So when the police arrived at the scene, the bedroom the bedroom window was closed. Stephen told police that he believed someone opened the window to lure the dogs out so that they could enter the house. On January fifteenth, a det uh, a detective called to follow up on the January eighth incident. And while Melinda was on the phone with the police, Stephen told her that he had just discovered suspicious footprints around their house. They came to the house that day to investigate it, but they, they saw that the prints didn't seem fresh. They didn't appear fresh. And so later that same day, Melinda called the police again to report that she had noticed several items were missing from her car. So they thought all of these incidents, like Stephen and Melinda thought all these incidents were related. They thought that it might have been like several of her ex-boyfriends or former customers. And so they really thought that she was a, that she was being stalked. Um, and so they were saying that it might be one of them that as you know, those were their possible suspects at the time. The next morning on January 16th, shortly before 6.30 a.m., Melinda was shot in the head while in bed. The bullet entered above and behind her left ear, traveled through her skull, and exited above and right in front of her right ear. Above and behind her left. And came out right above the right ear. Above, so it went straight across. It, or above and in front. So it kind of like so did like a diagonal. Like that. Yeah. Oh, Damn. Damn. And there was stippling around the entry wound, which indicated that she was stopped, oh, shot at a close range. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There were no signs of a struggle or sexual assault, and a blanket was pulled up over her body with her arms resting down at her side. Which kind of no seems struggle. like a sign of remorse. There a was no of sign of struggle or... So you were familiar with whoever did this to you because you didn't put up a fight? Mm-hmm. And then the the, the, the cover body. was pulled up above her to her body with her arms resting at her side. Okay, I'm gonna hold my opinion because <laughs> y'all know I got a lot of them. So as we there's say, a lot of things so far. I just want to say that there's a lot of things that aren't adding up for me. Oh, it, it continues that way. 
Um, yeah. Melinda, as we said, later died of her wounds at the hospital. It was determined that she had been shot with a single bullet from her own gun, which was left on the floor of the bedroom with no other bullets in it. So he's trying to make it look like it was a suicide, almost. It could be dressed up. Well, he way. kept, but no, he but was he trying to make it seem somebody like somebody came, came in because he was tied up in the daughter's room. But why would there only be one bullet, the bullet that came out of the gun and killed her in the gun? Right. Who loads? And if somebody was breaking bullet. into the house, who loads? If why would they have their own gun? No, maybe they didn't. Maybe they, because a lot of times people do get shot with their own weapons. Mm -hmm. I can accept that. But why would they load up one bullet and there's two people in this house? If they're coming to do something, why would they load one bullet? You riddle me that. Mm, I ain't got it. I ain't got the answer. So, Stephen. As we said, called 911 about 6.20 a.m. He <laughs> screamed incoherently for about two minutes before, two hang minutes. For, before hanging up. After receiving the call, the dispatcher searched the system for records associated with the phone number and sent the police directly to the couple's address. He couldn't even say where he was. My wife has been shot. He no, just screamed, he just screamed for, two for two minutes. And then hung up. Yep. Then... Um, the dispatcher attempted to call him back. Um, they tried to reach him through text, call, mm -hmm. but of course did not get an answer. And he busy stations. as we said, after he called 911, he called his brother. After speaking to his brother for about a minute, he called 911 back approximately six minutes after the first call and reported saying, my wife's been shot or they shot my wife. You last They arrived. Police arrived to the home while he was still on the phone with 911 this second time. Mm -hmm. He could talk to his brother, but all he could do was scream on the first 911 yeah. call. Yeah. And then <laughs> he got screaming on the track. Two minutes later. All right, that's enough. Hang mm -hmm. up. Hey, yo, bro. Help me figure out how I can make this shit look right. All right, I got to call 911 back. Uh, my wife's been shot. I can talk now. Oh, the police said nothing, man. So, police entered the house through the unlocked Maybe. front door. Mm. They could still smell burnt gunpowder in the air. Mm -hmm. Which suggested that it had only been 15 to 20 minutes since the gun had been fired. I could smell it. Right. Uh, Melinda was still in her bed and she was still alive. Oh my God. When they got there. So, she laid in this bed for 10-15 minutes after being shot. The dogs were in the garage, although Steven claimed that they were in the house when he went to sleep and never kept in the garage, but the dogs were in the garage. You know why they were in the garage? So they wouldn't beat his ass. That pit bull was going to tear him up for messing with Melinda. Mm -hmm. um, and that chihuahua too. I that chihuahua you, too. They don't, you don't fuck around with people's owner, with pets owners. No. So they fight to the damn death. To the end. Mm -hmm. Is it what you said? What you what you think you about to do, sir? Like Coco and Chloe. Try, try, try and mess with try and mess with Kay. Watch yeah. what happens. You go they, they going for them ankles. They, they going for the no, ankles. No, they for literally sure. have you ever seen a small dog? So Dolce one time defended me when there was a person who was she lunged herself off of the couch at their neck. They don't mess around. They ain't going for your ankles. You fuck with their owner, they coming for you. Yeah, and so of course he put him in the garage. Yeah, because he didn't want to die. So when the police got there, they found Lindsay or Stephen Lindsay in his daughter's bedroom. 
He told the officers that he could not open the door, and when the officer entered, Stephen was on his knees in front of his daughter's crib with his hands restrained behind his back with two large white zip ties. The officer found zip ties of the same kind in the bedroom where Melinda was found. Um, but during their investigation, it was learned that the brand of zip ties no, I cannot. was exclusively sold in bulk through electrical supply distributors and were accessible to Steven where he had worked as an electrical line. Okay. Damn. Steven told police. Steven. Steven. Mm. He's still out there. Steven. What the fuck, Steven? Steven told police that he had fallen asleep around 2 a.m., woke up. When somebody began choking him, we already went through this. Mm -hmm. um, he maintained that whole he blacked out almost immediately and oh. couldn't remember anything until he woke Can't up in his daughter's name. bedroom. Um, to the he woke up to the sound of the gunshot. Mm -hmm. That's what woke him up. He claimed that he had already been zip tied when he woke up, but he did not remember anything about how he had gotten to his daughter's room. He stayed kneeling the whole time, too. Yes. He told them about the possible suspect, you know, in regards to Melinda's ex-boyfriends, past, you know, customers, stuff like that. Um, the police investigated them and eliminated them all because they all had verified alibis. There were no signs of forced entry to the home. The least he could have did was kick the dough in. The front door was unlocked when the police arrived, even though Steven says that it was locked when he went to bed. And Melinda was known to always lock the doors. All other doors to the house were closed, secured. No footprints were found outside, leading to any other point of entry. Shortly after Melinda died, Stephen had her body cremated. Of course he did. Um, which, of course, was against her family's wishes. Mm -hmm. And he did not hold a memorial service or publish an obituary. Stop. You know what, Stephen? Fuck you. From Luke. Fuck you. So, as far as evidence, um, officers, they saw no evidence that anyone had approached the home from the woods. There were no shoe prints by the windows, no sign of struggle in the child's bedroom. Um, neighbors also did not report any disturbances. Uh, court documents showed that Stephen had actually tried to file a claim to collect on Melinda's life insurance policy, which was one... Which was one million dollars. Wait a minute, why does she need a one million dollar policy? I'll tell you, with an additional hundred thousand dollar in the event of an accidental death. At the time he was 36 and he was 12 years older than Melinda. Um when Melinda and him called the insurance rep, this is just part of their conversation. You know, when they were talking about the age and stuff, she was like, But he looks so young. That's what she told the insurance rep on the phone with Steven listening in the background and like they were talking about the different details and so she would say stuff like let me make sure it's okay with Steven first um you know and this was about basic information you know as basic as um hun how do you spell Valparaiso oh my god what um uh, is that what Steven said that's what these are the things Melinda would ask the rep and then she go, okay, let me ask him. Like, it was very much so like this naive, depending ignorance on her husband. Um, and they actually played this phone call during 
the, the court, trial. yeah, during the trial. No. Um, you know, so have her parents having to listen to that. That's heartbreaking. Um, the his uh, her father said that Stephen being arrested was the only measure of comfort they had found, mm-hmm. um, and that he was looking forward to the trial, plans on attending court hearings. He said he hopes Stephen gets the death penalty. I agree. He said, this is exactly what he said, quote, that's all I want. He said, the Bible says an eye for an eye, and I believe in it. You better say it. So we get into the details of the trial. So the trial was slow. Um, You know, there were witnesses that were speaking against Stephen, that Mm -hmm. were speaking for Stephen. Like I said, they played that phone call. There were two mistrials um, for whatever the reason may be. Um, And it got to the point where the prosecutors, you know, they were painting, they painted the portrait that Melinda wanted to return to her job as an exotic dancer against her husband's wish. This, in addition to the high price life insurance policy, the couple's money problems, all added up to his motive for killing her. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen, who was working as a first responder for Commonwealth Edison Utilities, he has main, he maintained throughout the entire trial that an intruder shot and killed his wife after attacking him and binding him in his daughter's bedroom. What I want to know is how he know they shot him because he blacked out. Remember, mm-hmm. he came, when he came to, he found his wife shot in the head. How you find him shot in the head? If you was, was in the room, tied up. up. Yeah. So, so a little bit more information on this insurance policy because you asked. So, one week after being accused of the homicide, Stephen tried to file a claim for the insurance policy. You couldn't make an obituary, y'all. You have to He cremated her and they couldn't even have a, a celebrational life ceremony. But in one week, I can tell you what he could do. He can make some phone calls. Yep. And so Greg Mirabelli, um, who was a uh, MetLife claims investigator, he actually came to testify. Um, And when asked if Stephen's claim was rejected because of his wife's murder or suspicion caused of death, Mirabelli told him no. He said no. Um, He said it was two factors that led to the claim's rejection. It was misinformation that was given to them during the application process. Um, and also they had missed a payment. They had, yeah. Oh, because wait a minute. We got to roll back. We got to roll back that beautiful bean footage. Mm -hmm. Steven decided that he was going to fuck off all the bills and not pay shit because he wanted to book cruises and pay one time. And he also thought that he could have credit cards and not pay those bills and that he didn't have to pay his fucking rent. And he didn't have to pay any other kind of shit, including his life insurance policy. Yeah, so the the life insurance policy was still active even though they had missed the payment. Mm-hmm. But because they had missed the payment, um, there's a clause where within the first two years of the policy, MetLife is allowed to re-examine the application and claim. Okay. So that's where it came where the claim ended up being denied because because they had missed this payment, it, payment, it caused them to be able to go back Mm-hmm. and review everything and so they were able to double check you know this information as far as in the application process and then more details started coming out with the case and so yeah 
still ain't paying it. Um, and so, as we said, one of the payments was returned for insufficient funds. Um, that was the December 2014 premium. And so the they had actually got. Oh, so one month before. Yeah. <laughs> they had got the claim in January of 2014, and Stephen was the sole beneficiary. Of course, it was. On January seventh. Right. Trust me. On the one that needs the money. So on January seventh, MedLife has sent a letter to Stephen and Melinda stating that their premium had not been paid, and that if they did not pay by January twenty sixth the policy would be canceled. Mm -hmm. So he had to kill her before the 26th. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. Just some other awful things that Steven did. Man. Um, within several weeks of Melinda's death, he took uh, numerous rings, including their, her engagement ring, other jewelry, um, to pawn shop jewelry store to try and sell, but the store did not purchase any of the items. He made several calls to MetLife to initiate the claim or to check on the status of the claim. He took both of her dogs to a veterinarian clinic and had them euthanized. Oh, hell no. No, I'm done with him. Please tell me he got the electric chair. That's all I want. Euthanized for what? And that was one of the things they said. They said, you're not acting like a widower. You're at, you're trying to get up all evidence that she ever existed. Sir, you're doing a fire sale. That's what you're doing right now. Dogs, get them out of here because they hate me because I killed their owner and they know it. I'm done. I'm, uh, I'm can we, done with can this. Can he get the freaking... I'm I need him to get the death penalty. Please. He Somebody fried his ass like some bacon. Did not get the death penalty. What in the hell? What a piece of shit. If anybody deserves it, he does. He got 55 years. Ain't long enough. Nope. I don't think so either. Ain't long enough at all. And of course he, you know, he appealed. I'm he as soon as they came out with the verdict, he said, "Of course I'm going to appeal I'm this." Ooh, um and some of the things that he stated his reason for the appeal, of course he wanted certain evidence ruled out. He wanted them to not, he felt like them including the fact that he had euthanized her dogs was unfair or it, it shows who it was, you are it was um un, it was Come on. unduly prejudicial that's what oh. he said no what's unduly prejudicial or prejudicial is your actions mm -hmm. you euthanize her dogs they didn't have no health problems wasn't no wrong with them you just want to be bothered you couldn't even take them to the damn pound you couldn't let somebody else adopt them you had to put them down you killed her and then killed her dogs come on now um, the other thing that he wanted to have thrown out. So during the investigation of the crime scene, a number of spots of blood were located on the wall near the headboard of the bed where Melinda was shot. Mm -hmm. DNA tests later revealed that the blood actually belonged to Stephen. Oh, he wanted that ruled out. Yeah. He felt that... Um, Wait a minute. Hold on. I think I know what he's going to say. Did he have a nosebleed in his sleep and that's why it was blood on the wall? Mm -mm. Oh, why he had blood stuff? Um, he said he objected and contended that the stains were irrelevant. Irrelevant? It's blood. He said the blood could have been placed on the wall at the time of the murder because he had no visible injuries on his body at that time. It could be been placed. So now he's trying to say somebody framing him. Is that what he's trying to say? If somebody's framing him? Is that what he has the gall to say right now? 
Someone framed him. This motherfucker. Um. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, Melinda, how did you meet this piece of shit? <sighs> Baby. He was just. And she was like, she was the sweetest. If you pull up a picture, she's. She's young, cute girl. Mm -hmm. And just like I said, the way everybody described her, she was the sweetest. Mm -hmm. but, you know, um, you know, like I said, they, they, you know, they would throw out this word naive and stuff like that. It's just that she had a very like clean outlook on the world. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately she got mixed up with the asshole named Steven. Um, you just never know a person. I mean, so I did bite my tongue during the beginning of the story mm -hmm. a lot because I didn't want to just keep interrupting it. But there were things that were giving me some signs of he's a little bit of a psychopath. Mm -hmm. He seemed very controlling. Like you said, with the money issue, the taking, opening a credit card to pay for a cruise that you're not, then not paying anything to the credit card, taking $16,000 out of your retirement saving and spending it within weeks. And not only that, not, now that was giving me psychological problems, but I'm talking about where she isn't seeing her family. Yeah. That those are women, if you are listening, this is not Dr. Dr. Lou telling you, just so you know. If you're dating a guy and you're thinking you have found you the one that he is all about you and that he just loves you and can't get enough of you and that's why you can't see your friends and why you can't see your family because you guys spend every moment together that is not love that is control that is not him caring about you. it is manipulation those are signs to fucking run, run. and do not look back mm -mm. Don't you ever put that in your head that he just loves me so much mm -mm. that this is the way that things should be. As soon as a man is holding your child over your head. No, nah, baby. We gotta go. You I'm so happy that like especially like not not a lot of people, but nowadays people are starting to they not necessarily run at the first sight of a red flag, but I too am one of those people. The minute you give me a red flag vibe, that's something I, I ain't gonna come back from. Oh, I'm I'm not talking to you. And there are things that sometimes can be confused with red flags. Mm -hmm. Like you do have. There are moments when you can give the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. It would be different if, like, she had told him that her family were abusive to her mm -hmm. or they were toxic to her, and so he then was, that's different. And he came, you know, and he said, you know, I support you, and I want to make sure you're having your healthiest life. You know, I notice your family does this. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you should keep some, yeah maybe you should take a step back take a little break but if he's not letting you see them and when you go to see them he threatens you with your child well if you're going to, i'm taking your child away and me and her we're going to go over here and i'm not going to tell you where she is and i'm not going to let you see her that's when you get your nine that you got and you tell him if he want to wake up tomorrow he don't never take your child out your motherfucking hands talking about they going anywhere Yes, mm -hmm. threaten the fuck out of him. And if he don't believe me, tell I can show you better than I can tell you. Okay? Okay. Like, ooh, we. Yeah. It's the, it's the freaking, the zip ties for me. Like, sir, you think that people don't understand that you can tie your own hands behind your and back? And they were large zip ties. 
Yeah. They were industrial size zip ties. So, so they're not the small ones where you, like, they were the big ones and he used two of them. So you could easily put it over here, pull it up. And then left some in the room with Melinda. Dumb as hell. Because if she wasn't tied up, why would there be zip ties in there? If they tied you up in this room and then went and shot her. You can't say it's suicide because that's probably also what he was going to try to say too. Mm -hmm. If they didn't believe it. But you literally shot her this way. Who shoots themselves like this? So... That's, well, you know what? He probably wouldn't have said suicide because he wouldn't have got that life insurance. Nope. nope. So he had to come up with he a tale. Had, it had to be murder. And it had to be somebody else. Um, it sucks. It really That does he suck. was the sole beneficiary on it. And that now her daughter is without both parents. I think she's better off not having Steven as a parent. No, but I'm just saying like as far as like that life well, insurance yeah. policy. Yeah. I'm sure that the grandparents definitely took Of her, course. Of course. Which... Uh, Thank you, grandparents, for not leaving with a... Because that sack of shit is going to get out of jail one day. I hope he freaking gets... Ooh. The things I hope they do to you in jail, Stephen. I have a list of things. I hope some of it includes rape. <gasps> but that is the story of Melinda Lindsay. No, Melinda Kirby. Kirby was her maiden name. I don't even know what to say. That was a whole mindfuck. Because why you gonna just leave that girl alone? Like, you just, like... Right, she said she was just gonna go back to her parents. Like, why does that bother you? You ain't even gonna do right. Why is that bother? Why is that the thing that bothers you? It was very much so that if I can't have you, nobody can. Or do you really think it's what you said with the money? Yeah. That it was by that date. He knew yeah. his time was running out. He knew his time was running out. He, could, they didn't, he didn't have the money to pay the bills. And so he was like, she trying to leave me anyway. Fine, she'll leave me this way. I, I kill her and get the money. A million dollar life insurance policy though. And for why did they cover her for a hundred, or for a million dollars with a hundred dollar, didn't they say with it had a hundred thousand dollar extra? Yes, with her being unemployed and him jumping between jobs. She not, generally they base your life insurance off of your income. Like what you stand to make. Mm -hmm. When was she ever gonna make a hundred a million? But yes, that is the story of Melinda. Um, we're gonna wrap it up. You can go and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Twitter, all of it. YouTube, like and subscribe, yes, like and comment, subscribe, let us know what you think. As always, you can email us at murkedinthemidwest at gmail.com if you have a suggestion for a case. Um, if you want to be a guest on one of our shows, please, please, please reach out. Um, our business love appreciation for this episode, we're kind of doing them sporadic. Yes, we are. But we're going to shout out Cadence Nails on Instagram. Ooh. So it's K D I A N C E nails, mm -hmm. and we'll put the link for her page in the comments and everything. To um, get your nails done. Yes, to get your nails done. Yeah, I personally go to her. She's amazing. Um, 
I love her because she's a young black woman. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say, I want to say she's probably, I think she's like 24 or so. Okay. Um, Get money. Yes. yes. She's out here doing her thing. Um, and so, y'all going to see my next set. My next set going to be JJK thing. Ooh. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Um, <laughs> but yes. So that is our business love shout out for this episode. And bye. Bye.